Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Samomas football, Samomas basketball, and Gilbert Pena, former Ole Miss defensive lineman on this edition of Talk of Champions. But first, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. And now, it's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been at hip in the guest co-host chair. Today's guest on Talk of Champions on the Modern Woodman phone line is Gilbert Pena, former Ole Miss defensive tackle back home in New York. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. But first, Bennett, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. How was your weekend? It was good. How was yours? I know it was your birthday weekend. What all did you get into? It was. Um, well, Sunday was my birthday, and most of Sunday was spent eating I'm back on my diet. That was the plan. I kind of saw this coming with my family, but I wasn't quite prepared even still for the amount of food that was put in front of me on Sunday. So it was spaghetti, cookie cakes, chocolate pie, chocolate oatmeal cookies. It's not the best environment for someone who's (laughs) about to get back on the diet. Because I know tomorrow 
being Tuesday, because Monday it's fine. Tuesday is when you crash. That first day you're like, oh, I'm I'm good, I'm back. But then Tuesday it's like a crack addict, and you're scratching your arm. Well, especially with especially with all that stuff in the house. Yeah. One thing, go on a diet. You kind of clean the the cabinet out, yeah. the, clean the fridge out. You've got healthy food, but. When you walk into the kitchen and they're oatmeal raisin cookies and chocolate pie staring you in the face, you only have so much willpower, you know? That's the pain of it all. And I don't know when this happened, but I don't really get gifts for my birthday anymore. Yeah, you just get food, apparently. Yeah, you get food. Your parents, at some point, there's a cutoff for giving you money. Your grandmother stops putting money in your card. Your wife, you give her some options, and then she shows up with something resembling that. (laughs) She gave me a GameStop gift card. That was nice. I knew it was coming. There's no more surprise anymore, and that's fine. I'm 33 years old. Ole Miss Fall Camp rolls on. There's no easy way to segue away from my birthday. But Ole Miss Fall Camp rolls on. Gilbert Pena coming up in about 15 minutes. There was some news. Lakia Henry, the prize Juco signee in February, is making a move. If I asked you before the season started, four newcomers that needed to be good for Ole Miss to be successful, I think Lakia would be in there if he does continue to push. And maybe he ends up as a starter come Memphis. Is that a good thing, a bad thing, an indictment on the roster? Lakia is that good? What are your thoughts on Lakia Henry making a push for Ole Miss football? I'm trying to figure out the best way to say that. We know the roster is bad, so I don't know that it's a really an indictment on the roster because they went out. And the reason you go out and, and get a Lakia Henry is because you have playing time to offer and you need someone to come in and make an instant impact because the guys you have aren't cutting it. So – yeah, it's an indictment of the roster, but I think it's also just this is a guy that was highly recruited out of JUCO, was Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas. Those are the kind of guys that you expect or at least hope to come in and make an instant impact and, and contribute immediately, whether it's in a starting role or in a rotational role. And and so if he keeps coming on as a starter by week one, I, I think that's the best case scenario for Ole Miss because that's what you kind of envisioned him to be. And if he is that week one, that's fantastic because, as we all know, sometimes it takes JUCO's uh, six games. Sometimes it takes them nine games. Sometimes the transition takes a whole year for them to really get settled in at the college level. For him, at least early, and again, like you said, we haven't seen a whole lot, but just judging by what they're saying and, and the stuff coming out of camp, that transition seems to be going faster for him than it has for others, which is really ideal for Ole Miss. Lakia's move is partially why I caught up Gilbert. He's dealt with this before with Juco's. He was one of them. He came in, expected to play immediately. And we've talked about this before. There is no timeline for Juco's. Right. It's expedited. You come in ready to play. You're supposed to be a ready-made starter by the time you arrive on campus. And for most guys, it doesn't work that way. It takes them a while. It took Wayne Dorsey a full season and once he finally started to become the player Ole Miss thought it was signing, he got hurt. You just never know. It's a crapshoot. Damian Jackson was expected to come in and be a starter at safety, and he did start some games. But in games, he struggled a little bit. He was up and down. He got better and ended up being a pretty solid starter. But for a while there, it was tough. And that's why when I hear about Lakia making a move, Sam Williams in the starting lineup, Jonathan Haynes back there at safety starting, Yes, that's good. It's good when you have good players. But it is somewhat concerning when your returning roster is being supplemented by JUCOs in bulk. Not that three is necessarily a lot, but for 11 starting spots, three of them to already be occupied potentially by JUCOs, I don't know. I think it's tough because it obviously depends. You you look last year, 
And you look at Scotty Phillips. He was a guy that had no transition time. Comes in, first game, runs for over 200 yards, was fantastic. And he was also just one guy. That offense was set at receiver. They were set at quarterback. They were set on the offensive line. Need a running back that went out and got a running back out of Juco, and he was fantastic. And that's the ideal situation where your offense or your defense just needs one guy. But like you said, Ole Miss is not in that position. They need three or four guys out of Juco to come in and be guys immediately and be really good. And odds are, yeah, you can, you're can you probably going to try them all out there week one against Memphis, but odds are all four of those guys aren't going to be uh, fully ready to go and, and at peak playing potential week one. So I think it's, it's a lot of risk there. But again, you already know the guys you have weren't were on a very bad defense last year. You went out and got Juco guys for a reason. And so if they're ready, you play them, but you do have to know that there could be a learning curve and, and you have to weigh, do I put out this new Juco guy or do I play the guy that wasn't very good last year, but it's been in the system before been around, knows the deal uh, and it's under new coaching staff. So it's a tough deal and it's a, it's a risk reward thing. They have to kind of figure out and weigh as the season goes on. It's different with a running back coming out of Juco. That's the easiest position, I think, to transition into a starting role immediately. By far. And wide receiver would probably be second. After that, offensive lineman is hard. Pierce Burton did it, and he was great. And Ole Miss could have done well to go out and get a Juco. They just didn't find one that really fit what they were looking for. It wasn't a great Juco market for offensive linemen this year in Ole Miss's Juco recruiting territory. Defensive line, it's tougher. Linebacker, it's really tough. And you have two guys starting at linebacker out of Juco. In safety, it's a crapshoot. So, again, I don't know if I'm concerned or not. I don't know if it should be concerning or not. The positive side of it is Lakia Henry, if you wanted to spin it this way, is everything almost hoped he would be. And this was a player that was recruited heavily by Arkansas, Tennessee, a number of different high major schools. And they weren't just recruiting Lakia to come in and provide depth either. They were recruiting him to come in and start as well. So, if he's everything you thought he was in a developmental and scouting evaluation aspect of it, then whatever, it's fine. Sam Williams, he, he's a highly recruited Juco. You expect him to come in and play. It's the relying on Juco's in bulk that could be the problem area. If right. you start wondering where are the holes in the defense, well, you had to plug so many holes in the dam that you're going to be leaking somewhere else. Yeah, and, and all Juco's are different. Lakia Henry kind of has that pedigree, and he wasn't really recruited out of high school because of grades, but he's played a while. But, you know, Sam Williams is a guy that kind of burst in Juco because he didn't really play high school football except for, I think, his senior year. So you have all these Juco's, and they kind of get grouped together because obviously you have your high school recruits and your Juco recruits, but every Juco is different. Some of the Juco's that – played in high school and have, a, have played forever, they're different than the guys that kind of burst on the scene. There's a learning curve there that some guys will have, some guys won't. So, and, and it's just, there's so much intrigue about this Ole Miss defense, new scheme, new coordinator, so many new new faces on a unit that was really, really bad last year. And I think there's just so many things you want to see, so many questions to be answered. And you just kind of wonder, uh, how that works out when you know that week one is almost a must win and there's no real room for uh, a week for them to kind of ease into college football and ease into being at the SEC level as opposed to Juco. It's just there's so much pressure there. So many new questions. It's just it's why this game is so fascinating for so many reasons. Yeah, you're not playing Murray State to ease into it for every Pierce Burton, Scotty Phillips. There's a DeHendrick Collins. There's Philander Moore. 
while, yes, these players might be doing well in practice, they might be impressing, we don't know what they are until they get on the field. And while you might be high on them, are you high on them based on comparing them to your current roster and the talent that they're competing with? Or are those guys that are true impact guys and Ole Miss is going to go three for three on defense and be really good from jump? Right. Which one seems more likely? I tend to lean more on the positive side. Like, I love Jonathan Haynes. I love that player. I think he's going to be an impact safety. But then I have to say, okay, rule of averages with Juco players, that means one of Lakeer or Sam is going to bust. But that's not necessarily the case. They might all be great. But what? it's more likely that it, they aren't all great than they are. I, I think it all also depends on obviously they want Lakia to come in and be an every down linebacker. They want Haynes to, to be a, a guy that's uh, pretty much in there a bunch of, in the safety spot. I, I am interested to see what they do with Sam Williams because they do have some depth there. They don't really have proven depth, but they have some bodies there. And, and in that 3 4. They're going to be rotating some guys around and trying guys in new spots. So I do wonder what they kind of foresee his role to be. Is it as a guy that's a pass rush specialist? Because as I think Mike McIntyre said last week, he's a guy that's still kind of new to football and learning his way around and and, and learning to refine his pass rush moves. So is he given a package to kind of succeed in? Because I think that seemed very realistic if he's asked to do much more then I think it becomes tough for you to go three for three there. But it also just depends on how much they ask of him and how much they need of him to, to kind of fulfill early on in his career. Which one of those guys, if you had to handicap it, would you think would be the biggest impact player of those three? If they're all good. I mean, if let's, so let's say they're all, let's say they're all three good, which one, if you, if they're all good, which one makes the most impact? Is it Lakia because the the linebackers are, so unproven besides him, or is it there's so many question marks in the secondary that Haynes matters even more because he becomes suddenly becomes a stalwart. I think it's Lakia, but if you told me it was Haynes in the secondary, I wouldn't argue at all, really. Grant Tisdale has apparently made a move to be the number two quarterback behind Matt Corral. Is that surprising to you? A little bit, but I don't know that it really should be. He came in early, had the spring, and he comes from a program that puts out kids that are there. They play at such a high level at the high school level. They come out so developed. He's done a lot of stuff there. So maybe it shouldn't surprise us as much, but it, it does. he wasn't the guy that I kind of thought it was. I know you didn't think it really was either, but I guess hindsight 2020, maybe it's not as surprising as maybe it should have been when we looked at it a week ago. It's not surprising. My whole point from the get-go was this. If Ole Miss was convinced Grant Tisdale was its future at the position behind right. Matt Corral. You don't go sign Kincaid Dent and John Rice Plumley. Yes, having a lot of good players is a good thing. It's okay to have a lot of good players. Right. But John Rice Plumley, if he's not going to be a defensive back, he's going to be a quarterback. And if Ole Miss was all in on Grant Tisdale, they wouldn't go sign those two guys. I felt like Rich Rod had handpicked John Rice Plumley to be the next guy up. That was his dude. Because Grant was committed and signed before Rich Rod ever came in for an interview. At Ole Miss. So John Rice, that was his dude. But as far as where they are now, it's not surprising at all. He, he should be ahead, should Grant Tisdale. He should be ahead. He right. was here in the exactly. spring. Is it going to last? Exactly. Probably not. But for now, it makes sense. It does. And, and it's the classic, this guy's been here. He knows the system. Even though I think both you and I think that from a fit standpoint, Plumlee fits 
is kind of the perfect guy for what Rich Rod likes to do. And even though Tisdale isn't that guy, so much at this level and in a new offense is getting in, getting in early, having time to learn the playbook and be around everything. And so that's a that's a huge advantage for him. And obviously, as talented as those other two guys are, that's hard to overcome when you're coming from behind in terms of experience and, and kind of time on campus, time in the playbook, time in the meeting rooms, that kind of stuff. So it definitely makes sense. The bottom line is you don't want any of them to be playing this year. None of them. You don't. And it's, they get it's their tough. four games and you want them to get their time if it's mop-up duty. Right, exactly. You you want them all, You want your backup to play, but you want it to be because you're blowing teams out in, in those – in those games that are against FCS teams or non-SEC schools that you, you want them to play late, but obviously every important snap, you want that to be taken by Matt Corral. And if, if that isn't happening, you've got a real issue there. So I think if you were to tell Ole Miss, Hey, we can go ahead and guarantee Corral takes every snap that matters. Ole Miss would feel great about things and vice versa. They, that would be really worrisome if you're having to rely on a Tisdale or a Plumley or a Dent to go in and, and play meaningful snaps early on. To drive the point home before we get to Gilbert Pena on the modern Woodman phone line about JUCOs, Vernon Dasher. Not to say Vernon Dasher isn't going to be a big part of, them, of Ole Miss's turnaround defensively this year. He could be. But he was recruited to come in, step in, and start at one of linebacker or safety. And by the end of the year, you weren't really hearing much from Vernon Dasher. That's how coaches and programs handle JUCOs. If you don't come in and make your mark, if you don't come in and aren't ready-made and delivered to be good and an impact player from day one, Juco's get cast by the wayside before anyone else. And Vernon's battling, and he's going to play, and he's going to be a special teams guy, but they needed him to be super impact immediately, and he wasn't. Juco's are a complete crapshoot. And for almost to have three starting right now, Lakey, I don't know if he's starting over Willie Hibbler or not yet, but... He's making a push to start. If you have three He'll guys play. starting, the odds aren't great that all three of them are going to be good. So you have to temper your expectations. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I think it's a just position where because they are JUCOs, there's an expectation that they come in and contribute immediately and, and play well. But as you've absolutely you've said, as we all know, that's just not really the case. It, it's why schools that go heavy juco have such a hard time sustaining success i mean the only one that's really been able to do it it, it was bill snyder at kansas state and he had some ups and downs there too yeah, but it's an outdated the, model now yeah he's he was really the only one that was able to do that everyone else when you go heavy juco that's a warning sign and it's just so hard to build depth it's so hard because you miss on a couple of guys and then it kind of snowballs and you're just kind of there's nothing you can really do so it's um i think it was almost was in a tough spot where i think ideally you want to just get as many quality high school kids as you can but you're having to um, there's a pressure to win now immediately and get back to a bowl game and that means you need some immediate help and you have to weigh whether a high school kid can help you more immediately than Juco can. And in these spots, they chose the Juco and now it's going to be, can that, does that bet pay off? It's, it's easy to have, be optimistic about it before we see a first snap, but certainly seems like things are trending in the positive direction, at least in a couple of first guys. That's why I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because yes, it's great that Lakia Henry is making a push. That's great. Almost needs him to be good. The flip side of that coin, if you're relying heavily on Juco, like Bennett said, it could be a warning sign. Sound the alarms. 
and I think it was just a one-off, like last class, you needed those guys, you got them. And, and I think it's different for schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi State because you have this talent in your backyard and you'd be crazy to ignore it, but also you don't want to go too Juco heavy. So I think if you're sprinkling in two, three, four Juco guys in the class, I think that makes sense because you it's right there. You've known a lot of these guys played here for high school and, and you scouted them before and you know the deal. But I think it's different if you're a school in the Midwest or a school up north and you're adding a bunch of JUCOs. That's really when the warning sign uh, really should kind of let off and all that. So I think it's different for the in-state schools and the schools that have JUCOs in their backyards. But it's definitely something you don't want to rely on too much outside of a handful every year. One player that would know better than anyone about the journey that JUCOs take, Gilbert Pena, former Ole Miss defensive tackle, back home in New York, we talk about a number of different things from his playing days at Ole Miss to his career, the Green Bay Packers, his favorite Ole Miss player ever, and that player will surprise you. It's Gilbert Pena. He joins us on the Modern Woodman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most everyone of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local Modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Gilbert Pena, former Ole Miss defensive tackle for two years, 2011, 2012. I think I got that right. Gilbert, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, Ben? Glad to glad to be a part of the show. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for doing it. Where are you right now? How's everything going? What's the Gilbert Pena update? Uh, I actually just um, I just resigned from coaching. I was at a junior college. I'm sure you guys know I was at a junior college, ASA College in New York. I was there for a good five years. I went to 2013 to 18, and I was a defensive line coach. And I just left there. And I'm now currently a youth development specialist. So I'm basically working with uh, with like juvenile delinquents that are like awaiting their sentence or some type of placement uh, in New York. So oh man, awesome. it's a good job. Basically, you deal with troubled youths, and what do you do? What's the directive for them? So my my job, I want to say I'm more like a a juvenile counselor. Um, we have you know some structure set up for us to, to be um, sort of like COs, but we're, we're, we're taking the, the least aggressive path through it. We're, we're more like along the lines of being therapeutic and trying to change the culture of what they've been through um, or anything that they have, you know, seen during the time of their life, their incarceration, or what you want to call it. So we're, we just, we're more like, I'm with them throughout the whole day. I mean, from wake up, so my, I, I work the morning shift, so I'm there from wake up, breakfast, 
uh, whether it's school activities, um, anything that they do, I'm there as a counselor, I'm there as a mediator, I'm there um, to help them with whatever um, decisions they need help with, um, kind of helping them and preparing them to get back into society. Leaving football, it was a part of your life for so long that had to be hard for you. Was that a calling of some sort for you? The easiest way for me to put it, Ben, and this is like me speaking from the heart, when I got involved and when I, when I decided to go back to school, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I always did know that I wanted to give back um, to my community in one way or the other. So what happened is I went, and when I was in junior college, I said, what's your major you want to be? And I told him exactly what I want to do. I want to work with kids, juveniles at that. And Ole Miss at the time, well, I don't know if they offer it now, but they didn't offer anything within juvenile delinquency or anything like that. So what I did was I took corrections as like a major and I, I made sure that all of my classes dealt with juvenile delinquency in one way or another. So that way, you know, it put me on the spectrum like, and I was prepared for it. Um, when I went through the whole process, like the little NFL stint that I had, um, I got an opportunity to, to get involved in coaching at my junior college. And when I looked at it, like, I always wanted to work with the youth. I always wanted to give back. And coaching was another way that I could do it. And it worked out for me. I did it for five years. And to be honest with you, I miss it. I didn't want to necessarily, like, leave coaching. Um, but there was a lot of a lot of things going on within um, my career, my life, that I, that I felt like I needed to go a different path um, at the time. So that's when I decided to get involved in and that, but I did write. I want to say this. I did a, um, I did an externship at the YMCA, or yeah, I believe it was the YMCA in in Oxford. And um, at that time, I had wrote something like on Facebook saying, you know, I was so thankful to be able to get this opportunity to be a part of, um, like to do this as like an externship or internship. I'm not sure which one it was. And I had wrote that, you know, in 2012. So fast forward. Um, I was working with within that 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 vicinity, I guess, and now I'm actually doing something within it. Are you completely closing the book on coaching again, or are you leaving? You know it what, open? Ben? I'm I'm not. I've been. I mean, it's, it's so crazy because I've, I I never want to leave coaching. You know, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't want to. I did, to be honest, the the school I was at, they weren't really helping me grow. They weren't helping me um, develop. Um, as a coach. And I felt like I was, you know, taking steps back. Although, you know, we were, we were doing like a good job. I mean, we, we, we finished pretty strong the year, the year before last, we went nine and one, went to a bowl game. I mean, we sent kids all over the place. I had like four or five kids, you know, go SEC. Um, and even when I was down there on my trip, I was, I was telling the guys um, at Ole Miss about some of the kids that I had within um, my program. Um, you know what? I, I miss it, uh, and I want to get back into it. So, um, any of you guys at Ole Miss looking for uh, a coach that's going to work hard and develop players and build character and help all that and continue to addition that Ole Miss, I would love to be a part of it. What's the most challenging thing about – both playing and coaching in JUCO. I remember there's one former player that I talk to regularly, and I'm not going to mention his name because uh, we we had some delicate conversations about this, but pushing players 
to different schools, selling those kids, trying to get them spots. He mentioned how difficult it was, even at his alma mater, Ole Miss, just to get phone calls back. A lot of times, while schools dip into JUCO, they don't dip into it enough. It's like it's used as a last resort kind of thing, if that makes sense. Is that the most challenging aspect of it, or is there something else out there that's really hard about it? I would say JUCO in itself is, is just tough period because um, sometimes the outlets that that are created for JUCO players are, are nowhere near where like you know Division One, Division Two are at. So there's a struggle there. But as like I guess for me as a coach. The hardest thing that I would, I think I took on was, um, was finding like an outlet at another school for my player, and not selling them short, and also not burning bridges with coaches because you want to keep those ties with those coaches. So you don't want to, you don't want to sell a player that is going to not perform, and just to try to get the kid into school. If that makes sense. That's the hardest thing about being a JUCO player is that the timeline for you is expedited. When you come in, they're expecting you to play in a start. You experienced this at Ole Miss. When you come in, there is no, oh, get your feet wet, uh, dip your toes in, learn your playbook, just come along at your own time. No, day one, if you don't come in and you're not ready to play, they write you off pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. It is is a little difficult when you get put in a situation like that. So uh, I guess for me – um, being being that I play like SEC and having you know some some advantages of being like in the NFL and seeing like how the game is played. When I was coaching kids, uh, the biggest thing for me to teach them was you know conditioning and getting in the playbook and being accountable. If you can do those things, then you should be all right. You know, accountability goes a long way, and you have to teach that. You have to teach structure, you know, because some of these kids come from. Um, some great programs and some of them come from programs out of high school where, you know, they weren't really any help, you know, they weren't really any help. So you have to be able to develop that within the two years or a year, depending on what type of kids you have grade wise and make sure he's prepared for that next step. And then, you know, the biggest issue I guess too is like the off season training. So like if I have a kid going into, let's say Ole Miss in the spring, right. And, they have a transitional period from when the season ends to to when the spring comes back around for them to get um, prepared for spring ball. They're not really so much like working out with the teams or like they're not they're not like with us doing morning conditioning. And a lot of people don't have any structure to help those kids prepare and stay in shape in order for them to go to go into school ready for spring ball. There are a couple guys Ole Miss is relying on out of JUCO to come in and make an impact. Sam Williams is from Northeast. He first got here in the spring, went through spring drills. Lakia Henry, he's from a JUCO to where he couldn't get out in time for spring football. So he arrived in fall camp. What is the challenge for those guys? What would your advice be for them, knowing that they're being relied on to come in and play, on how to make that impact? I think, one, mentally you have to be prepared for the worst of the worst. Um, and, and just knowing that every day it's going to be an uphill climb, you know, and that, like, because you're a JUCO player, um, it is a lot of pressure on you to make sure that you're doing things and you are accountable. But I think the number one thing, I, I think personally, like, having, um, like, an academic system set up is, is not the issue. Like, grades in school are not going to be the issue. I think it's more 
finding the time and availability to make sure that you're doing like the extra things, the extra conditioning, the extra set, you know, pushing yourself to make sure that if you, if you have to lose that weight, you know, they, I don't know if they do it at Ole Miss. I'm sure they do with Coach Jackson. Um, with like losing weight, making sure you're, you're at a certain weight for when spring comes or when the fall comes. Like those are things you have to be accountable for because um, if you don't, they're going to pass you right up because there's another person that's just as good as you right there, you know, that's in the playbook and is doing things the right way. So taking that extra step is important. Your Ole Miss career, two-year Ole Miss career was interesting. You were recruited by Houston Nutt. He gets fired that year in season. Hugh Freeze is your head coach for your final year. Go to the BVA Compass Bowl. What's your greatest memory of Ole Miss? Good, bad, indifferent. What's the thing you remember the most? The thing I remember the most, I got a couple of things, man, to be honest with you. Oh, I want them all. I I want every single one of them. One would be like Coach um, Coach Nutt in in our meetings and stuff like that. He used to always tell us, like, um, these are going to be the best days of your life. Oh, God. And I – I, I'm telling you that. I, listen, like a lot. <laughs> I, that to me, it, it's the truth because you know here I am, 32 years old, and I look back and like one of the greatest memories I have is playing college football. You know, like and being in front of you know 60, 70 thousand people and and competing with like my peers and 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 wearing you know the the Ole Miss colors and and showing out. That it is the best days of your life. So that was one. Two. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember Coach Price. Oh, yeah. Oh, Coach Price is allowed. He used to be like, he used to always tell us when we were moving too slow, he used to be like, son, you got to get in your high gear, son. You got to get in your high gear. And every time he said that, we just used to look at each other and just laugh like, oh, it's time to step it up. He's getting mad. Coach Freeze, um, one of my greatest memories ever was when, I want to say it was the bowl game, we had won the bowl game, and, you know, the first person, oh, you know what? It could have been the Mississippi State game and that got us eligible to become, to become bowl eligible, if that makes sense. Um, well, I went right up to Coach Freeze, and I went to go give him a hug, and he hugged me. He, they used to call me Big Poppy. Um, we got familiar with um, David Ortiz from the Red Sox. They call him Big Poppy. So they used to call me Big Poppy all the time. And he was like, thank you, Big Poppy, for everything. And me and him, like, embraced the hug. And then the next couple of weeks or so, maybe even the next year, they put out a picture of me and him hugging each other. It was for, like, Happy Father's Day. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And it's, like, one of the greatest things ever, you know, because when you have, like, a coach that's uh, inspirational and plays a big part in your life, um, they do become somewhat father figures. And just for them to, you know, kind of put that, like, that picture – um, and put Happy Father's Day on it was uh, important to me. That year, Houston Nutt was fired. He was fired in the middle of the year, but he coached out the rest of the season, which is not the best way to go about doing that. I covered it. I was there. But it felt like, without talking to the particulars, the parties involved about the intimate details of it, that everything kind of went to hell. And there was a relaxed atmosphere. The coaches were checked out. The players were checked out. How bad did it get? And was there ever a time for you that you looked around and went, what the hell am I doing here? Before we get that answer from former Ole Miss defensive lineman Gilbert Pena, let me tell you real quickly about Grove Shark tailgating and the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. The Ole Miss football season has arrived. It's here. And Grove Shark's tailgating can take care of all your game day needs. 
Locally owned and operated, Grove Sharks tailgating specializes in tent rentals and setup packages that can accommodate parties and gatherings of all sizes. For more information, visit Grove Sharks tailgating at grovesharks.com and like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks or contact owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? They're custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. I kind of got a a really bad break, literally. Like, I broke my hand a couple weeks before the season started. And that was, like, number one straw for me. And I kind of fell down the totem pole. And just looking at, like, like how it, the, there was so much build to to how we wanted the season to go. And then around game five, it was just like, what the hell are we doing? What is happening here? <laughs> and you could, I know, no, seriously, you could, Ben, you could feel it. You could feel it in the atmosphere. Like, like I don't, I don't want to say it. the coaches gave up on us, but you could just feel it, man. It was just like, all right, they know that they're getting fired or they did get fired. So this is on us for us to save ourselves. Even coming in the next year, you know, we didn't know what to expect. Like a lot of us had an opportunity to leave and possibly go to another school after the, you know, those coaches got fired. And a lot of us stood and we said, man, we're going to build it back up and not even knowing who we were going to get, what was going to happen, what to expect from Coach Freeze that following year. And you know what? It was a good decision to stay. We went seven and six, I believe. Went to a bowl game, won the bowl game, beat Mississippi State, got the egg bowl. It's a good feeling, you know. And I think that year we lost to A and M by under five. I think we lost to Vanderbilt by one. I want to say we lost to Georgia by thirteen or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Like that could have easily been a ten-one season for us, and it's off of a, a a culture change, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of push, a lot of, we had also, I mean, that, that freshman class that came in was, was amazing. They, they helped us so much. You know, we, we pushed them as seniors, but they, they were playmakers. We had Denzel, we had Trey, you had, um, Isaac Gross, who's my favorite. He's my favorite rebel all time. Just, just throwing that out there. Isaac Gross is my favorite Ole Miss rebel all time. Isaac, for me, the relationship's really fun because, I've been covering him since his freshman, sophomore year of high school. And Isaac was always the same size, it seemed like. He never got any bigger. He never got any smaller. He was just what he was. It always played into who he is as a person and as a player because he always felt like everyone (laughs) was out to get him and everyone disrespected him. He still is this way. And he was a killer. When you put him out there, it didn't matter who you lined up across from him. He was going to get underneath him. And it was going to be impossible to block him, and somehow he made it work. 
Yeah, he was 250 pounds playing nose tackle in the SEC. I, like, I love that. We used to call each other, like, um, the, the power and speed change up. You know, he'll go in the game, pew, 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 and I go in the game, and it's like strength, 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 and then he'll come in the game and change it up with the speed, and it was just like, it was awesome. I mean, you know, going into um, the season that year, we were like neck and neck. He was a, he was a freshman. I was a senior, and we were neck and neck on playing time and who was going to start for the season. You know what? I wasn't upset. I just loved him as a person. You know, he's in New York right now. He's in New York playing arena football. Did you ever entertain the overtures of other schools after the bad Houston night year the last year? I thought about it. I thought about it. It was um, small talk, and, you know, a lot of my my friends and family were telling me I need to get out of there. And um, a lot of people didn't, didn't accept the fact that I was down south and I wasn't playing and you know, you, you, you take on a lot of that, especially when you come from the Northeast. Um, but for me, I guess, to be honest with you, I built such a relationship with so many um, fans and, and friends out, that I've met out there that I didn't want to go nowhere else. I, I didn't care to leave. I, I really enjoyed Oxford, Mississippi, and I thought that that was going to be where I was going to end my career, and that's how we made it. What was your recruitment like? I was like the number two or three junior college defensive lineman coming out that year. And the other person that um, that I was being recruited, that was highly recruited, was um, Sylvester Williams. He ended up playing at North Carolina. But I was offered by so many schools. I just said, all right, my, 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 my time period for me to sign for the schools was really short because, remember, the transitional period from the end of the season – um, in JUCO, uh, my school was a tri-semester, so like the transition had to be quick. I, after I took a couple of visits, it's like, all right, bro, you got to make your decision already. So I got offered. I had, took a visit to Florida State, South Florida, uh, Ole Miss, North Carolina, and um, Kansas State. Now, for me, I I thought – in my mind, I was going to sign with UNC. That was where, like, for me, I was a little older than the average kid coming out of junior college, and I thought, you know, all right, how can, like, where is my degree going to be the most, I guess, valuable? That's how I looked at it. Like, if I get a degree from UNC, I can get a job anywhere. Um, and then I started thinking, all right, playing time, where can I play at right away? How can I? I didn't, I didn't so much think about, like, the NFL or anything like that. I just thought about where can I play right away? And I had no idea. So when I took these visits, you know, I started meeting people and started networking. And when I got to Ole Miss, my host was Control Lockett. Former co-host of this show who I still talk to this very day, one of my best friends in the world. And that's why I thought to call you, by the way. That's my man. Like, uh, he showed so much love from day one to to even now. More so, like, day one going through that recruiting process and, even like we lived in the same area, the same um, housing area when I was in school. Um, like control helped, you know, be a part of that decision making when it came to Ole Miss, and then having the opportunity to play right away as um, from a junior, junior college player and playing like the SEC was like big to me. My only other SEC offer at the time was was Florida, and they were giving me feedback because of like a grade that I had in school. So I just ended up not even dealing with them. But to me, ultimately, I think it was 
just the visit itself, like going into Oxford and walking through the square and people going, hey, Gilbert, what's up, man? You got to shine with us. And then like knowing who I am. And I'm like, whoa, like that's big. You know, that's, that's a huge deal. And then so this is this is something else that really, this is it right here. And you can, you got to write this down. This is, no, take notes on this. When I went on my visit, all right, um, the training staff, took my mother and had a conversation with her and talked to her about like, you know, her sickness and my mom had had cancer back in the day. And I think like, to me, that, that just made me feel like, man, this place, they really like, they really care about you. They really, they really love like their players. And for them to reach that far and have a conversation with my mother, making sure she was good, making sure she was comfortable. Um, without stretching the limits or anything like that, that, that was it. When I left there, like, it's like, no, I'm signing. I'm signing to Ole Miss. Like, there's no turning back. So what's the relationship to Ole Miss now for you? Do you still keep up, watch the games, all that stuff? I, I tried for a long time. I want to say that I haven't been able to keep in contact with, with, with anybody as much as I would like to. Um, when I was coaching, I was. But I also felt like, you know, like you, you mentioned it earlier, like it was, it was, it was a time and need for them to recruit junior college players and to go all the way to the Northeast to recruit a kid wasn't in their, like, it wasn't in their agenda because they could go right there to East Mississippi or right there in Mississippi, anywhere, you know? So I would, I would have kids. Like I, I got a kid named Bedard Treor who's at LSU right now. He's, um, he's like left tackle, right tackle. And he played for me at, at ASA and I thought, you know, that he'll be a, a good fit, but you know, I, I didn't allow it to, to burn bridges. I just took it like a, a learning lesson. Um, so now I'm, I'm more, I'm more laid back. I do watch the games when it comes on, I go crazy. My family still watches the games. Um, I would, I would love to be in contact with people. Last year I went to the coaching convention in North Carolina and I caught up with EJ Epperson and uh, Metcalf, Terrence. I was with um, Terrence for a while. We were talking. He was giving me some valuable information. And it was good to see those guys. You know, I caught up with a couple other guys, um, like other coaches and stuff like that that were there and maybe have transitioned to other schools uh, um, now. So I thought that was good. After how bad the 2011 season was, did the BBVA Compass Bowl feel like a reward? And what I mean by that is, did it meet your expectations that you had this accomplishment that you've been working toward putting all that sweat equity into? Absolutely. We'll get right back to that answer from former Ole Miss defensive lineman Gilbert Pena. But quickly, let me tell you about the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50, while it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. 
For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I mean, I anybody would love to be, you know, in, in the top five bowl games that they have. But, I mean, for us, we especially like the older guys, we felt like, damn, man, like we put in so much work. We went through so much last year, um, not knowing what's going to happen this year. And for us to be at this point right now and then beating State, you know, like and then having that opportunity to go to the bowl game was was everything. I mean, we had so much fun. Well, switching gears real quickly, Ole Miss is now running a 3-4 defense under first-year defensive coordinator Mike McIntyre. Switching over from the 4-2-5 of Wesley McGriff, and the first person I thought of when he brought up that he was installing a 3-4 was, oh, well, I got a former Ole Miss player named Gilbert Pena that would have been perfect at nose guard. Listen, I, you tell me that was, was kind of like brightened up my day a little bit because – I actually enjoy the three four a lot. Um, that's I played a three three five at ASA when I was a former player there, and I loved it. Um, to me, it's like a flexible defense. Um, there's a lot of like advantages. Um, we're getting to the quarterback, I think, um, especially when you have like some of those outside linebackers that are like. To me, they have to be the best athletes on the field. Um, and then, you know, the, I guess the biggest thing with the 3-4 is you got to have someone in the middle that's going to be able to take on those double teams and split double teams and stop the run. Um, the only thing that I think was was like a struggle for that would be, um, I guess, you know, like in a 4-3 or 4-2-5, you could, you could do like some stunning inside. And yeah, I don't want to say you're limited, but... With the with four down, you can do a little bit more. You're a little bit more versatile, but you can still do some stuff if if you get creative with with the stunts that you could do on um, the three four. And um, I guess also your recruiting process changes. So I don't know how Ole Miss recruited, but I know you, you need bigger ends that could also pass rush and stop the run. Being in a three four, um, so that's important for them. How's their, how was their recruiting class this year, Ben? It was good. It's interesting because guys like Josiah Coatney are now having to transition to defensive end. They're recruited to be defensive tackles, and that's a completely different mindset, especially in a 3-4, because in a 3-4, your defensive ends aren't just used for pass rushing purposes. That's for the outside linebackers, the converted defensive ends like Kadir Shepard, who had their hand in the dirt, whose number one task was to get to the quarterback. Now they're standing up. So I think seeing Josiah and other guys try to make that transition has been fascinating to follow because it's a completely different mindset for them. Yeah, it is. But also, Ben, if you if you have, like, the right mindset going into it and you're accepting to it, then it's going to be fun. I'm going to be honest with you. Because standing up, you see a lot more than playing with your hand down. So you, the outlook is, is totally different. Now you just have to make plays. That's really all it comes down to. And really, if if you have, like, these defensive tackles who were, were you know, two, what, 290? Would you say that's – Yeah, 290 is probably the, the max so, for the state so of guys. So now you probably got to get down to, like, 270, 265 
And he's playing he's playing this, the same way, you know, just playing more of a five technique, head up or whatever you want to call it. And now he's just getting busy in there. And then occasionally when you want to go to certain speed, you, you could put that small guy inside and he could be like Isaac Gross, splitting double teams because he's so fast and getting off the ball and still has the strength to to take on those double teams if needed with the run. You could also there's a lot of like confusion that you can you you, you cause for offensive like like linebackers slowing on one side, linebackers throwing on the other side. You don't you don't know who's coming, you don't know who's stunning, you don't know where it's coming from. So for an Ole Miss defense that was so bad last year, among the worst in the country, now with a tenure defensive coordinator in Mike McIntyre, former head coach at Colorado, they should be better by default, right? I believe so. Also, I don't know what their rankings were in the run or in the pass last year. Do you know off the top of your head? Really bad, Gilbert. <laughs> just, just really bad. All right, so, so think about it. Think about this. If you get the the right personnel to, to be able to stop the run, right? like automatically in the 3-4, you have an extra body to stop the pass. So naturally, you should be in a better position to stop the pass. But also now you, you start playing with your, with your schematics and you, you start moving pieces around and now offensive coordinators are like stuck. They don't know what to do. You get me? So it makes it challenging. So yeah, by default, they should be a little better. I think, um, I think, I think they should be all right, man. Coach Luke, what's he in his third year? Yeah. Yeah, Coach Luke, man, he'll get it together. I like Coach Luke a lot. You got your cup of coffee with the Green Bay Packers. What was that experience like? Did it feel like you were in the NFL or was it too short for you? No, I definitely felt like I was in the NFL. I mean, I met so many amazing people and I learned so much. And, and, and to be honest with you, um, the, the Green Bay Packers organization was, it was very similar to what I went through at Ole Miss as far as like the, the, the how the people are, um, fans and, you know, lining up outside of practice, having 10,000 people at our, our practices every day. Like that's impressive to me, you know, um, that, that alone spoke volume. And then the way the organi- organization was, um, was built and, you know, it, although it was short, it was, it was amazing. It was great. I mean, I would love to still be playing, but I, I understand, you know, the business aspect of it. And um, I enjoyed it, man. I'm, 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 I was thrilled. And everybody was thrilled for me. So it was an experience to go through. He's Gilbert Pena, former Ole Miss defensive tackle, former defensive coordinator at ASA, the JUCO that he played at, former Green Bay Packer at Gilbert Pena 86. It was good to catch up with you, man. Let's do it again. Absolutely, Ben. Listen, happy birthday. Oh, Thank you. You're like the fourth person that remembered. Thank you. Enjoy, Ben. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was former Ole Miss defensive tackle Gilbert Pena. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave that five-star review. Call me an ugly redhead and that you hate me and you don't wish me a happy birthday, but make sure it's five stars. I'm cool with that. But make sure to do it in iTunes. Simply search Talk of Champions. We should be found anywhere you get your podcast: SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean. If we're not in one particular place, let me know at SpiritBen on Twitter, and I'll get it there. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. 
You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt, my buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, VNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171. 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters. And the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money, is BNA Bank. So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. All right, Bennett, before we get out of here, Sammy Hunter, according to 10th Year Seniors, a reputable bohemian sports news organization, broke the news about Franco, some other things as well as it relates to bohemian prospects signed by Ole Miss, is reporting or reported late last week, and I wrote a story about it on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, Sammy Hunter has passed his final two classes. Orientation starts today, or it's the final day for orientation. That was the target date for Sammy Hunter to get to Ole Miss. If he shows up, if he's here, if it's done, it's a big deal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a massive deal. It's a guy that was kind of off the radar from a scouting standpoint, but he's a guy that Ole Miss consistently has said, hey, this guy is legit. He's an instant impact player. He's a big-time player, big-time recruit. He'd be a top 50, top 100 guy if he played somewhere in the United States for, for high school. So it's a massive deal. Ole Miss obviously needs help on the inside, and he's a guy that can come in and, and play big-time minutes. Probably not going to start, but going to play big-time minutes in a rotational role. And just if you believe what the staff believes, and there's no reason really not to, this is a this is a special talent and a guy that changes – the trajectory of your program and makes a big time impact from day one. So getting him here is great. And uh, obviously you would have had to, would have liked to have him earlier in the summer, but better late than never and, and more than worth it for a guy as talented as he is. The plan is still to have the 2020 reclassification happen and finish off the roster in that way. Kermit Davis was on this podcast last week, talked about a number of different um, scenarios as far as, rounding out the roster that 13th spot so go check that out just simply search talk of champions wherever listen to the kermit davis interview um but you're right of all the players newcomers coming into Ole miss as far as upside is concerned sammy hunter is up there if not number one we talked all about austin crowley we talked all about hadim c and those guys are going to make impacts they're going to play a lot but upside wise sammy hunter can make an argument for being the player with the most upside coming in yeah, just a, just a skill set that does so many things. He's got handles. He can shoot. He obviously can contribute to the defensive side of the ball. He just He's a guy that Ole Miss hasn't really had in a while, and you add him to what they've added with Hadim C and, and what they're trying to do with Blake Henson and K.J. Buffin, and, and so all of a sudden you've got a pretty formidable front court that you can mix and match with and play different styles, different types of, of game, and just really – 
so many options after a season where Kermit was so limited in what he could do and, and who he could play down low. So it, it's a big deal. And uh, I'm really just at the point where I'm excited to kind of see him play. You hear all the, all the talk from them and you watch the videos, you know, there's the video of him scoring against North Carolina and that those games down in the Bahamas as a high school kid. And, and you just want to see it in person, but from everything I've heard and you talk to people around the program, they love this kid and they think he's a real, real really big steal. And, a guy that's going to be a big time player for them for the next few years. If you had to project the starting lineup right now with Sammy Hunter now in the fold, that would be what? I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you're going to have Brian and and Devante as your guards, and I think at that point, it really just kind of depends on what they want to do with the three and the four. I mean, I think there there are lineups where you can play Blake and KJ and put Hadim C at the five. I think it just all depends on what they want to do and what they kind of value from a skill set standpoint. And it's tough because I, I could give you a scenario where Austin Crowley starts, where some other guys start. So I think it's you have those two guards. I think you have Hadim C at the five, and I think you kind of mix and match the three and four based on lineups and skill sets. And um, Kermit's really talked about this offseason being really impressed with both KJ and Blake, and that could be your starting lineup right there. So I, I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. But um, they have so many options now. They've got a ton of depth, and top to bottom – from the number one guy to the walk-on that was the freshman of the year in the WAC or whatever uh, Cal State Bakerfield plays in. This roster is so deep and has so many options that the starting lineup is important, obviously, but uh, the rotation decisions are going to be even more fascinating and even more important, I think. Deepest Ole Miss team ever? Certainly feels that way. AK had some really deep teams for uh, for those years when they went to the tournament, but top to bottom, it's it's hard to argue with what this team could be potentially. And you've got guys that are going to struggle to find rotation minutes that for a lot of other schools would be in the rotation. And, and that hasn't been said for, for at Ole Miss quite a lot. So definitely, definitely up there among the deepest teams. So um, it, it's uh, definitely <laughs> complete 180 from last season. So if you, I, you've been around, you talked to Kermit last week. If you had to take a guess at the, at the lineup, where would you go? Let me think. You make a good point. The starting lineup, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just who's starting the game. Um, <laughs> KJ Buffin might not start, but he's going to play every bit the minutes of uh, Blake Henson. Right, whoever, exactly. He'll play st- He'll play starter minutes. He he may just yeah. not be on the court at tip off, and I think that's yeah. the that's the good thing that they can do is they can play a guy like that, but they don't have to start him. They can start him if they want. So there's so many options. But I am interested to hear what you think there. August nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. Devontae Shuler at point guard, Brienne at the two, Luis Rodriguez at the three, Blake Henson at the four, and Hadim C at the five, with KJ coming off the bench as the sixth man to start things. I think they love KJ in that role. And, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. Luis is a guy that, from a skill set standpoint, he's a, a big, long, athletic wing. Breakout and- candidate. Everybody to a man over there is hyping Luis Rodriguez as the breakout guy. Yeah, and, and from a skill set standpoint, he's exactly what they don't have. And he, they lose Terrence Davis, and they lose that big, strong, athletic guy on the wing, and Luis can be that guy. We just have to obviously see it. But from all the talk there, yeah, he's been a guy that's really impressed this offseason. And if that's your five, you're a little undersized up top, but he does so much for you on the wing, him and Blake. And then with C down low, that defense is really strong, and you've got so many options offensively. It's um, it's just a really fascinating lineup they have there, if, if those are the five to start. Yeah, and you're right. You are a little undersized 
with your guards, but you have the length on the bench to compensate. So you can play that way, and then if you're playing and, teams and good- that are longer, I can roll out KJ and Sammy and Austin Crowley. I would pretty much bank it that Austin Crowley, before the year is done, maybe by SEC play, is going to be in that starting lineup somewhere. Yeah, and the, like you were, they are undersized. But the good thing is, Devontae is so good from an on-ball. Yeah, and Terrence standpoint. was undersized. It didn't matter, right? Devonte has so he's so good from an instinct standpoint. He's when the efforts there, the instincts are there, and he's locked in defensively. There's there's no one. There's very few better than him as an on-ball defender. So, yeah, you're undersized, but a guy like that, it, it's worth the trade-off because he gives you so much and and really kind of blossomed last year and AK always thought that he could be a special scorer, but his, his role early on was going to be as a really, really, really good elite defender. And we, we've seen that so far. So it's um, obviously got a few months to go until basketball season, but it, it's hard to not be excited and just really, there's so much depth and so many options. It's going to be those early games are going to be fun to watch um, just because from a mixing and matching standpoint and seeing all those guys trying to find roles, it's going to be fun. Before we get out of here, every time Bennett is on the podcast, specifically when he's on the first podcast of the week, I ask him this question. I ask you now, what commands your attention this week in Ole Miss sports? Uh, let's see. I, I think obviously just probably just official for sure confirmation on Sammy Hunter. And then I want to see if uh, if the addition for the 13th off spot officially happens this coming week as it should. I, I, with football, it feels like we're just kind of in a holding period, holding pattern. There's, we're just kind of waiting for the game to get here. I don't know that anything's really going to change or anything's going to happen that really is important in terms of something we don't already, already know. So I think all the focus is on basketball, getting Sammy Hunter officially in, seeing what happens with the 13th roster spot. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. Mike McIntyre and Rich Rod both said that Ole Miss has turned its attention towards Memphis. A few weeks out, less than a few weeks out, I still don't know what to think about this game at all. That's what I probably will be watching most, how Ole Miss begins its preparations or continues in its preparations, early preparations for Memphis. Yeah, it's such a weird game. It's I think we know what to expect from Memphis offensively, but I don't know that there's much... You know, they changed coordinators defensively, and they were so bad last year, they gave a bunch of big plays, so... I don't really know what to expect there. And then for Ole Miss, I think we have an idea of what Rich Rod wants to run and, and what Mike McIntyre wants to put in from a system standpoint, but we've never seen it. And we don't know what wrinkles they're going to have and what they will have in and feel comfortable with week one. So there's just so much unknown. I, I think it's one of the more fascinating games, not only for Ole Miss, but just countrywide week one. It's such a fascinating game, and they'll have a lot of eyeballs on it because Memphis is a a G5 darling, and Ole Miss is interesting in a national level because they've got Rich Rod and and Mike McIntyre as coordinators. And so it's – yeah, I'm ready for the game to get here just because I think it's going to tell so much about both teams and really set the tone for this season for Ole Miss and kind of the futures of Matt Luke and, and that staff. It's nuts that Memphis is right now considered a possible G5 school to go to a big-time bowl game, one of those access bowls. That's bizarre to me. And I think it's so tough because I understand it to an extent. Memphis has had this thing rolling for a while, but they lost so much talent off of last year's team. I mean, They lost Darrell Henderson. They lost Tony Pollard. They lost some defensive guys. 
they have a quarterback back, but he's not a Paxton Lynch or a Riley Ferguson. He's not that kind of quarterback. And so I understand liking a lot of what that, what they do. And I understand liking Mike Norvell as a coach, but I think the talk of them going undefeated and being the G five representative in those new Year's six bowls, that just seems like a really large jump to me. And maybe, maybe all those critics are right. And, and we'll obviously see, but it just seems on paper that seems really, really aggressive for all the holes that they have. And as bad as that defense was last year. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and should be wherever you find your podcast. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. My thanks to Gilbert Pena, who joined me on the Modern Woodman phone line. We'll have him back on again. He was great. Thank you, Ben, and I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.